0: Hey, what's going on? It's Jim, and it is, uh, right now it is on the cusp of New Year's Eve. I think in a couple, a couple hours here, at least my time, it's gonna be 2022. Kind of weird to say that. Uh, so I would say Happy New Year, but it's gonna be, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, um, probably by the time you listen to this, that'll be an old, outdated greeting, um, so happy 2022. There's always that question about like how, how long can you say happy new year to people? Like when you just run into them in the street or, you know, you're at a coffee shop or something, like what is the uh, acceptable amount of time? When, when do you have to cut that off? When does it become inappropriate? I don't know about you, but I just like to say it like all year. I'll say it in the middle of June. Who cares? It <laughs> just confuses people and, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, how's it going out there in Omicron land? Doing okay? Staying safe? Masking up? I gotta get a booster, man. I haven't done the, the booster thing yet. Um, I was uh, I was in a store. I think yesterday, and I had one of those one of those encounters with uh, you know somebody who was inside walking around shopping, doing their thing, but they, they didn't have a mask on. And I passed him like a couple of times, you know, and the thing is, I don't, I don't care. Like people mask or no mask, whatever, you know, it's, it's a mandate in Boulder County where I live. And, um, yeah. So I walked by this person a couple of times and like, I, I, I didn't look at him. Like I've learned not to make eye contact with people. When I'm out and they're strangers, because it's either it's either they're the right type of person, and they're going to look at you like, why are you looking at me? Why are you making eye contact with me? Or you're making eye contact with the wrong kind of person, and they're going to take it as an invitation to launch into some tirade that's like political or you know, whatever, some conspiracy theory nonsense. So I just, I just, I just like I keep people in my peripherals. Like I, I watch them, but I don't look at them. And I have passed this fellow twice. And both times I saw him like looking at me like, yeah, I'm not wearing a mask. You going to do anything about it, punk? Okay, I kind of just got that vibe from him. He's like looking at me. He's like following me as I pass by. I'm like, I I see you're not wearing a mask and I don't care, man. It's <laughs> you do what you want. All right. Your body, your choice. Right. Is that the <laughs> That's the expression. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so anyway, it was a good day today. It was like uh it was a very picturesque day. Like I um I guess I should start by saying like, yeah, I'm in Boulder County and actually in the city of Boulder, that's where I'm living now. And uh I had like I've had like a few of my friends ping me and say like, you know, hey, um there are clearly fires doing some apocalyptic shit where you live. I hope you're okay. <laughs> i hope uh, <laughs> I hope um hope you're not evacuated and hope you're still alive and uh yeah, I'm totally fine. I'm actually in Boulder proper, and nothing has uh, nothing has hit Boulder itself as far as I know it uh I think it was a bad day for the fires. I don't know what caused them like i haven't I'm not sure they even know this was just like yesterday, but yesterday was a windy day. It was like not that cold. It was like 40 degrees out, but it was, it was, it was really, really windy. Like there was a severe wind warning and that was absolutely no joke. Like I was driving for some reason where I live, whenever there's a lot of wind, like the power gets knocked out. Uh, I don't know if that, I don't know if that had anything to do with the fires yesterday, but, uh, you know, my power went out like pretty much as soon as I woke up and I was like, well, okay, let's, um, Let's just go loiter in coffee shops and bookstores and, you know, kind of ride this thing out. And so I, I, you know, spent the day kind of bouncing around town. And when I was like, yeah, it's like if you're driving, you can like feel your car being pushed in one direction or another because of the wind. That's how bad it was. And there was, it's, it's like dangerous wind. Like there was a couple times when I was driving home in the afternoon when I had to, like, switch lanes because there was a massive, massive chunk of tree uh just sitting in the lane, like, in the road, and so it's, like, it is, it was not a safe day to be out doing anything, it's, like, you got power lines, uh you got, you know, branches falling off of trees, like, big, gigantic chunks of ones, like, it, it was a dangerous day, I got to go out with a helmet on, Helmet wouldn't even protect you if it's flying at you, like sideways, you know. But, uh, yeah, not not quite hurricane level, but, uh, dangerous enough you wouldn't want to be out. Uh, but yeah, that was, that, that was, there was that. And th- that was going on with the fires. Like, the winds coming down off the mountains, and I, I can't imagine that helped. That must have just made them rage, uh, way worse. But, yeah, I mean, I thought I left this stuff back in uh back in California. There was like a condo fire where something like just an entire interior of a condo building apparently burned down, and I was walking I was walking by this big condo place that I walk by It's on Pearl Street, which is like the main drag through boulder and there was like a big gigantic condo building that I always pass, and it was like sectioned off like it was clearly like quarantined or something. And so I walked over to the fence and there was like a security guard there. He was like making sure nobody comes in. I was like, what happened? And he was like, you haven't heard. There was a massive fire. The entire inside of the building is completely gone. He's like, it looks okay from the outside, but there's nothing left in there. You know, and he was like, I'm just here to make sure people don't try to go back in and get their stuff. Cause it ain't safe. You know, uh, you go in there, the whole thing might fall down on you at any point. I was like, Jesus, and I had like a couple people ping me then and say, "Hey, we heard there was fires in Boulder." This is like back in was it like September? I think it's like and now we have these fires that are in uh, uh, Superior and um, you know, and I get pings from people. It's like I really I thought I left the fires behind. I got out. I got out of the Bay Area like just ahead. Of the fires that uh, happened in the you know the fall of 2020, um, yeah, like I was driving away from San Francisco and there was some smoke coming up from the east headed towards the city, and I was like, this does not look good. Don't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> I guess I'm driving towards it. I was hoping I don't, I didn't hit it when I was uh, driving, but. Anyway, yeah, no, I thought I left the California wildfires behind, but apparently I brought them with me. That's, uh, of course that's what happened. That's how it works, right? Natural disasters follow, follow people around. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm, if anyone, anyone's wondering, anyone cares, I'm totally, I'm fine. It's unlikely to affect me. Like, if the wildfires get to where I'm at, it probably means like, much of the city of Boulder itself, like the downtown, has probably been ravaged by fire. And that, uh, yeah, uh, it's unlikely that they'll let that happen. Um, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, unless it starts here, I mean, who knows? Nothing's impossible. But. but, uh, yeah, yesterday was super, super windy. It was crazy, crazy, ridiculous wind. And, Uh, yeah. Woke up today. There was supposed to be like, there was a snowstorm morning last night. It was like starting at five in the morning for like 48 hours. There's going to be just like this constant barrage of snow. It, uh, it showed up maybe uh, six hours late, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it showed up. I had a friend ping me and say, Hey, you want to go for a walk? And we just went out walking. Um, along Boulder Creek for like a few miles. And it was very, very picturesque. A lot of snow, uh, probably three or four inches when we were out there. And um yeah, we came home and I was like, that was just so cool. I'm going to keep doing that. So I just went back out and walked on my own for a few hours. Uh, that was nice. I was like, winter finally arrived in Colorado. It's been like not that cold, and there's been no snow, which is not what I was expecting from, like, Colorado, right next to the Rocky Mountains. I was kind of thinking that this is going to be a very wintry year. I'm looking forward to wintry sports kind of thing. Um, anyway, it's finally arrived. Winter's here, along with it uh, the cold. And, yeah, I had myself a nice little stroll. I, uh, I found out that, uh, I don't need to, uh, my hair is like down past my shoulders. It's like ridiculous hippie, like rock star kind of length. And, um, you know, I, I found that with that, I didn't even have to like wear a hat. I could just wander around, you know, my face and uh, head fully exposed. And I was, uh, totally warm enough. Although, you know, uh, after like a few hours of that, my hair started to freeze into icicles. So I like would shake it. And I was like, this must be what having dreadlocks feels like. So now I've had that experience without having to actually, you know, do any sort of hippie or Rastafarian nonsense. <laughs> uh Yeah. It was cold though. I'm surprised my hair didn't like snap. I was expecting to like lose some large clumps of it. Um, But in any case, yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. I walked around between the different downtowns, that's like student housing and the main Boulder downtown. And, uh, yeah, just waded through like almost knee high snow in places. My favorite thing is like, I stopped at some point cause I saw something in the snow and I was like, what is that? And it was, uh, it was a rabbit, like a bunny rabbit. And the thing is the snow was deep enough that he, I could only see like, like the top part of his head and his ears were just like sitting there on the snow the rest of him was like underneath the snow like that's how deep it was which was adorable i wish i could have gotten a picture of that but you know no way i would have uh the lighting wasn't good and you know it's, it's as soon as you like you see some something that's wildlife and you're like that is cool i want to take a picture of that if it's an animal the animal never cooperates like as soon as you start like Holding out your phone, no matter how careful you are, no matter how slow you go, no matter how far away you are, like the animal just knows. It's like, no, 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 you're not taking my picture, motherfucker. And it just like bolts, you know, they know. They, they, know. <laughs> they do something to ruin the shot, you know. So, you know, and that I, I don't even like reach for my camera. Like if I see something picturesque, I'm like, just, you know, take a mental photograph. Just remember, remember what it looks like. There's no reason to like document all of this. Don't put a camera between you and this beautiful scene. Just, you know, just experience it. That's living. You know, assembling a photo album is not living. I don't think. But in any case, yeah. um, Anyway, so because there's like several inches of snow Looking like it's like six to eight inches at this point, it's uh was it ten o'clock at night, something like that it's um yeah, there's not a whole lot of people going out right now. I saw more people driving than I did walking out there, and there were not that many people on the road uh bars are open, some restaurants are open, but you know that is. As much as I might like to go check those out right now, this is like my one New Year's Eve that I'm probably going to be spending in Boulder, Colorado before I ditch. Uh It's, you know, it's uh, like my friend said earlier, you know, going to a bar or a restaurant t- t- tonight would probably be like instant Omicron. You know, it's just, it's bad enough out there that it's, uh yeah, not something you want to, not something you want to toy with. Anyway, New Year's. I talked about this last time. Like, I recorded some three-hour behemoth. um, And I talked about, like, how it's become a pastime of a lot of people, myself included, to kind of, like, to the extent that you can kind of, like, glance at your neighbors, like, you, you, you hear your neighbors or see them, you know, you kind of, like, wonder, well, what's going on in their world, you know? I'm confined right now. And so, I mean, I don't have a view. Like, I have no line of sight on anyone. But I do have, like, a neighbor that lives above me. And I've got neighbors on all sides of me, but I don't hear them. Because, like, the walls are really, really well insulated. Like, I don't hear acoustic noises. I don't know what the technical term is. But, like, sound, you know, like, if somebody's playing music um, or talking, none of that gets through to me. Like, the walls are really well insulated for that. Um, For structural vibrations, like if something, like, causes the, you know, the wall to vibrate, you put, like, a subwoofer next to the wall, you'd be able to hear that on the other side. And so I've got a neighbor above me who is not a light stepper. Like, he just stomps around. And that would be manageable, except that he, like, walks around a lot you know, and I've kind of learned to ignore it. Some days, if I'm irritable anyway, like I'm sleep-deprived or work is bothering me, then it kind of gets annoying. But, you know, uh, but, but I, the thing is, is it's the quantity of walking that made made me wonder. I'm like, I wonder what it is he's doing up there. And it's not like he's pacing. I remember pacing in my apartment in San Francisco, Um just to get like 10,000 steps in during coronavirus. And I know what that sounds like. The thing is, it's like he's walking between rooms and there's enough of a pause. Like he walks to a room in the front of his place, kind of pauses. Like he's doing something, checking something out. Then he like goes back to the other room, pauses there, does something, turns around and comes back. Like he'll just go back and forth between rooms like that. Clearly with something purposeful that he's doing and I can't figure out what it is honestly I've 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 been trying to think like what what lifestyle what activity would you have to have or be doing in order for this to be like what you would sound like because it's it people don't normally live like that that is not normal behavior and the fact that he's like he's often up at odd hours of the night you know um It seems like he's, he's like really active and walks around a lot for like maybe a day or two at a time or a stretch of days. And then there's like a lot of silence, a lot of nothing. And the fact that he never goes out, like he's, he's almost always home. Like I I can hear him if he goes out because I can hear him going down the stairs. I can hear him stomping down the, like quickly down the, down the stairs and seen him barrel off, you know, um, so he never goes out. Almost never goes out, and he never has anyone over. It's always just him and I was like, okay, so it's got to be like cocaine or methamphetamine like he's imbu- abusing some kind of stimulant because there's that's the only thing I can think of that makes any sense, you know, but I had another thought. I was like, you know what it probably is because the drugs don't really make sense to me like he doesn't seem like like I said, I've met him a couple times, and it seems like there's something up with him. You know, the couple of brief encounters I've had with him wouldn't rule out, you know, abusing some, uh, some kind of stimulant, you know, just walking around your place, you know. But it occurred to me it's probably not that. That doesn't quite fit. It might just be like, uh, bipolar disorder. I bet he's bipolar, hence the, like, the social isolation. And the fact that like he has these bouts where he's just like walking around, seemingly doing something for like hours at a time. Like it's just this. I think it's just the manic states where you feel like you have to be up and, and doing something, but it doesn't matter if you're doing nothing. You know. That's the best explanation I can come up with, and I I just put that out there because I felt kind of bad. Like last time I was like yeah, I feel like I've got a drug addict living above me. I'm half joking. But now I was like, no, I think I have somebody who has like mental problems, you know, like a, a chemical imbalance in their head. Like that's probably who's living above me. That makes the most sense. And I kind of feel bad, you know, for them. Yeah, uh, because you know, that's, that's no, I, I, like I, I've talked to people who have bipolar and it's like, yeah, that um that sounds absolutely terrible. You know, I am no stranger to certain kinds of mental health problems, but they're, compared to that, they're mild. You know, it's like if you talk to like somebody who's schizophrenic or you encounter, I don't know if you can really have a conversation <laughs> with somebody who's a paranoid schizophrenic. But uh, when I was in Santa Barbara, uh, we had a neighbor for about a year or so who lived um, a couple doors down from us on the opposite end of the building, It's a small building, only six units. And he was a paranoid schizophrenic and he, he was up at odd hours of the night just yelling out into the sky. Like just things that were coherent. I mean, you could tell what he was saying, but they didn't make any sense. It's like, this is just nonsense. You know, and, uh, it's, it's like, damn, you know, like the your brain can really turn on you. Like if you're capable of like perceiving reality with, a high degree of accuracy. At the very least, if your brain's not like just screwing with you, you know, <laughs> if you're not like dreaming, if it's not like a, a waking dream, uh just be grateful that your brain is like, you know, being a good roommate because <laughs> <laughs> that goes away. shit should go south really, really quickly. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a therapist, but Christ, it can get bad. It can get really bad. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's what I'm dealing with. Um, or, you know, that's what he's dealing with. I just happen to be a witness to it. I happen to hear him step around a bunch of times. He's doing it now. I don't know if that comes through on the, on the audio. Anyway, hope he gets, uh, hope he gets a good night's sleep. What? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah, Christ. So it is almost 2022. When the hell did that happen? I feel like it was, I just, I feel like it was only yesterday. I was wandering around San Francisco, like raking in the year of 2020. Where'd the last two years go? Anyway, like, let's talk resolutions. I guess by the time anybody listening to this hears it, you're going to be, uh, Probably far enough out that you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I made a New Year's resolution for 2022, and I totally abandoned it. I got that gym membership, and you know, did not uh, did not go for more than three weeks. Probably something like that. I'm gonna say I don't have faith in you, but come on. Does anybody, anybody really? <laughs> Everybody abandoned the New Year's resolution. That's like that. That might as well be your resolution, just to say, you know what, I'm gonna make one, and then I'm going to." Not live up to it for more than a couple of weeks, then you know that you'll at least accomplish it. Then you'll succeed. Aim low. That's what actually pretty terrible advice. I think my New Year's resolution is probably like to find to find my path, and I mean that like in the in the deep like life kind of sense. I, uh, so I mean, like, I've mentioned this before, but I know, like, a few people in Boulder, Colorado. Like, I actually have, like, a group of friends that I occasionally run with, but they're, they're quite a bit younger than me. Um, like, I'm 39. They're, like, 27, 28. So that's quite an age gap, and the age gap is... Age gap makes a difference. Uh, at least to me, like they don't seem to care. They don't seem to. First of all, I don't. I don't look 39. You know, with my skin and hair, like people are just like, oh, you must be like 33. I'm kind of. I'm kind of. It's kind of sobering to realize that I'm old enough now that, on the average, people look old, and uh, that that's actually the age I'm at. Like I should look older than I do. That's that's, uh, that's weird. I feel like I should be further along. Uh, in my life, <laughs> with, that, with that understanding. But uh, no, I mean they—they—they they, they don't really care, and they're kind of like the thing is I don't talk down to them. You know, when I talk to people in their twenties, I'm not looking at them and saying like, you know, geez, you know, here's the thing, Sonny. <laughs> you don't know this yet, but one day you'll learn. Like, I don't—I don't talk like that. You know, and I don't even act like that. You know, it's it's not even like I'm living that differently from them. And I think that's the thing. Like, there's um. What is it? uh Like, so have you ever seen like BoJack Horseman? In one of the later seasons, one of the main characters, like the the dog, Mr. Peanut Butter. He kind of realizes that he's he's been through like four major relationships, where he like. Marries a woman and then divorces her, and he's like, you know, they always end up leaving me, you know. And somebody points out, like, whenever you meet these women, they're really young, and then they mature, and you never do. And so they they leave you, they move on because you fail to mature with them, and you've been doing this for a while. This is kind of like, I guess that's a spoiler because that's that's how the character ends, he realizes in the last episode, like, yeah, I guess I've got some codependency issues. (laughs) Um, That's kind of what it is, though. Like, I mean, people my age who are like 39, they're like, they have like families, they got houses, they're probably, they're doing something with their lives that's like responsible. They They just don't have they don't have space for friends. Like the way you have space for friends when you're in your 20s, you know, like, you, you kind of look around in your 20s and you welcome other people in. You're, you're willing to try new things, like, let's go hang out with whoever. Like, you start tightening up, and you become less willing and open to try new things or hang out with new people or discuss things. And you just get set in your ways. And the thing is, I don't like that that's the way people are around me. Like, I don't like that aspect of maturity. So, I mean, I know I know that I don't have enough in common with people who are, like, 28 years old. Like, I wouldn't go be really, really good friends with those people. Like, I'll occasionally, like, yeah, let's banter about and go, you know, shoot the breeze. Let's go camping or something. Like, every once in a while, sure. But I'm not going to make those people my closest friends because, you know, uh, there is an age gap. And I'm very mindful of that. You know, it matters to me. I mentioned that to, like, one of my one of my friends, a friend I was walking with today, and I was like, he once invited me to a party, and it was with a bunch of people who were about his age, like, you know, mid to late 20s, and I was kind of like, I almost didn't show up. I did go, but I was like, I almost didn't show up because I was kind of like, imagine you, if you got invited as a 28-year-old to a high school party. Like, a bunch of high school seniors, like, you know, somebody's prom, like, would you... Would you go to that? And he was like, "Jesus, is it really that bad?" And I was like, "I didn't say it was bad. I was said that there's a, there's a gap in our experiences and what we know about the world that is very. I'm aware of it, and it does make a difference. It's not bad, but it it is there. And, um, so yeah, I I I don't uh." I don't hang out with like 20-year-olds, you know, or people who are in their 20s. It's like I'll do it occasionally for for a lark because it's better than absolutely nothing. And really, I gotta say, I I appreciate how open-minded those people are. They're like hopeful and they haven't settled down into some routine yet. They're not just like counting down the days, whatever whatever people do when they're Um, So, I mean, the thing is, I'd have to say, like, for me, I'm I'm exactly where I want to be. Like, I have not bought a house and gotten married and had kids. And I'm not just, like, supporting them through a career. I haven't, like, made a career my entire life. I haven't just devoted myself to workaholism. You know, I've got a good work-life balance. I have a decent job. And I spend a lot of time learning new things that interests me and that's great you know I keep an open mind I, I I like going around and talking to people and asking questions and learning whatever I can I mean that's great like I, I wouldn't want to be I wouldn't want my life to be any different than what it is I'm exactly where I would like to be you know it's it's low maintenance um, low maintenance lifestyle I don't have to answer to anyone about How I use my time—it's just free for me to dispose of. Uh, I guess what I would I would wish is that I knew more people my age who were kind of like in my same situation. Like they things are not settled down for them, and they keep an open mind. You know that's that's very very difficult to find. It would be nice not to be mostly alone in where I'm at. yeah. So I, I, in terms of like talking down to people. So I, I went to like a, like a, just a meetup group just to like socialize. And there was, it was pretty small gathering, only a few of us. And at some point, like the topic of technology came up, you know, and, uh, one of the guys there, it was just like me. He's only been in Boulder for maybe a few months. He relocated out here from, somewhere back east. Uh, but he's like trying to make a life here work and he seems he likes it so far, but he was talking about how, you know, young people, he's about my age. I think he's like mid to late thirties, but he was talking about how people in their twenties, especially early twenties are just kind of like married to their phones. You know, that old trope about how people might be together for the holidays, like all sitting around a dinner table and they're not, talking to each other, not even looking at each other, but they're interacting with each other like through their phones. I don't know if families do that, like gatherings of like teenagers or something, you know, like people who, people who've grown up taking smartphone technology and then the apps and social networks for granted, like they just, that's just what they know, they've always been part of their lives. And so you've heard this before. You know, you've heard this from probably many people They talk about like, oh, no, you know, the um, the young people, they're like they're they're not having the same experiences we had when we were growing up. And that's going to totally ruin life for them or something. You know, I don't know if that's true. That could be true. Uh, but the point I want to make here is that I, I kind of like I heard this and I kind of listened and I was like, all right, well, don't you think that. I didn't want to bother making the point that don't, don't you think every generation is like that? Don't you don't think parents always look at their children and look at the upcoming people and say, they're not living the way we did. And that's going to destroy them. Like technology has advanced like beyond, like, I don't know. I have to imagine there were people in the late thirties and forties, 1930s and 1940s who were like, you know, kids are growing up with the radio and they can just always turn on the radio and listen to things, that's going to totally destroy them. They're addicted to their radios. You know, <laughs> this must have been a sentiment that was expressed. I didn't even bother with that. I just said, like, you know, look, human nature is weirdly dualistic. It's, it's like there's a drive to, like, conform and to be a part of, you know, the world at large, like you want to do what other people are doing. You want to talk about the things that they were talking, other people are talking about you want to, you want to be like most other people most of the time. And I think that's definitely characteristic of people in their twenties, somebody's using their phones, sure. But there's also like the opposite instinct to kind of like pull yourself apart from the crowd and be an individual, you know? And I'm not sure that instinct is really there when you're first setting out in the world, you know, you get out of college or you're just in your early twenties, like I feel like you're trying to fit in and find your place in the world and you don't really pull away. You know, it's like when you're a teenager, you're kind of in grade school. The, the environment's kind of static. You have like the same people. You're in the same town. Maybe, unless you're an army child. And so you start to like, you have the, you have the space to like pull away and break away and try and be your own person and you try and say well, I don't want to be like my parents and you try and assert your individualism this is a lot of build up I didn't say all of this but I kind of put it that way there's these two tendencies there's the tendency to conform and the tendency to like be your own self be an individual and I was like I was like don't you think people are going to get to an age like people who are in their early 20s now and who are addicted to Instagram and whatever else addicted to their smartphone. Don't you think they're one day going to wake up and say, I want to be some, I want to be my own person and do my own thing. And I don't just want to do what everyone else is doing. So I'm going to get off Instagram and go be a person in the real world. I was like, you don't think that's going to like that. You don't think that will just happen somehow, you know? And there was not a lot of hope for this. Like the people I was talking to, all about my age, maybe a little bit older. They were kind of like, uh, "Well, we can hope that that will happen, but you know, it's probably not going to happen." You know. And I was like, "Well, I, I mean, I was like, I don't even hope that's going to happen." That's that's what I would say is that um, for the like for the upcoming generation for the people who are younger than me. Who are just entering the world now? I hope that they, I hope that they figure it out. That's all, you know. No, I didn't grow up with smart. I didn't have smartphones when I was in my early twenties. That's not something I had to break away from. But yeah, I had to break away from some things. I had to eventually figure out who I was. Still working on that. You know, But I don't hope the younger generation ends up doing exactly what I did. I hope they don't turn out like me. I hope that they face whatever they're facing, whatever is specific to their generation. And I hope that they you know, solve the problem that every generation has to solve, which is figure out your place in the world, whatever it might mean for them. If that means constantly using smartphones for the rest of their lives, if they're going to be 80 and still behaving like they do now, as long as they've figured it out, as long as they're happy, great. I don't want them to be like me. that's just egotistical so yeah that that that's my only point is I really hope um I don't know i don't wish <laughs> I don't wish for anyone to uh you know become like me because I've got it all figured out. Who exactly are you to be like, you're, you're an old person who's like in your forties and you look at somebody who's in their twenties and say, you're living wrong. How do you know that? How do you know that? Like, where does that conceit come from exactly? Uh, I don't know. I think it's ridiculous. Um, I'm not telling anyone, I'm not telling anyone else how to live. You do you, Burlheim. But, yeah, so finding my path, you know, I've kind of come to the conclusion that uh, there must be people out there like me, you know, people who like keep an open mind, looking to learn, you know I talked last time about how they like I, I I read an article that said like there's a lot of women out there who, when they're like mid to late thirties and they're just kind of looking at the dating scene and the dating apps and They have a bunch of experiences and they say, you know what, the hell with this? this. It's just, or it's just not worth it. I'm going to be a spinster and I'll be fucking happy with that. Honestly, I'm kind of on the ladies side here. Okay. Because, you know, guys that are about that age, you know, um, like late thirties, that's my age demographic. I meet guys who are about that old all the time, you know. You meet them out just kind of on the street or at, uh, you know, maybe meet up groups and you kind of like talk to them and the ones that are single, the ones that are not coming from like, oh yeah, I've got this house and a family and the ones that are just like kind of where I'm at. Uh I wouldn't, I, I don't even want to be friends with them. I don't want to have a five minute conversation with any of these guys. You know? it always goes somewhere weird and nefarious. It's like, like there's a lot of apocalyptic thinking floating around right now. That's not specific to guys, but it seems like everyone believes that the world is like going to come to an end. Like something's something's going horribly wrong and we only have like a few years to live at most, you know. I I guess climate change is a, is a big part of that. Um but you know, you hear this thing, like people talking about It's all bad, and it's all going to come to a screeching halt, like we're all going to die or something. I hear that a lot. That's one thing. That's not the only thing. But, you know, conspiracy theories, you know, are what I often hear. And it's like I I wouldn't want to even be friends with any of these guys. I barely want to talk to them. It's like if I was a, a woman going out on dates and I, like, encountered most of the single guys that I encounter about my age, no thank you. There's no way I could bring myself to do anything anything sexual with them. I wouldn't let them anywhere fucking near me. There's no, there's no way. Um, yeah, so I mean I, I kind of understand. You know, it's um And I mean I I gotta be like just for completeness' sake here, like I've I've definitely um the dates I've been on, which have not been many, I have not done any dating since COVID happened. Not really. There was one girl I went on a few dates with and I ended up saying sayonara to her after a few dates because I realized that's what usually what I encounter. If I'm the one doing the rejecting, it's, you know, in the past couple of years, I haven't done much dating, but my experience has been that it's you get the sense that somebody's like using you. But they're not really looking for a romantic partner or a relationship so much as they're looking for somebody to kind of use to work through their childhood bullshit. You know, they they have like unresolved issues. I, I saw like a joke. It was like a, a card that people circle around on Instagram. It's just like text as a photo. And I've seen a few different variations of it. It's like, um, and I saw it on somebody's profile on Bumble, like, first couple months of COVID when I was bored and just decided to swipe. It was a placard, and what the quote says is, how aware are you of your childhood traumas, and what are you doing to work through them before you project all of that shit onto me? Something to that effect. And I think the actual quote itself, like the text says, this is a good first date question. Yeah, totally is. you don't even really have to ask it. The thing is, I think if you're emotionally healthy, you get the sense when somebody's like using you for some sort of dysfunctional end, like they're trying to work through their shit or, you know, they need, they need somebody to take out their issues on. You're like, yeah, this is not what I'm looking for. Uh, good luck to you. So long. Either that or like the, the woman rejects me for, you know, whatever, whatever reason. Um, But that's great i mean i actually had a realization earlier today i was like you know i'm like going to be alone for new year's and i'm actually completely happy about that like i spent christmas and christmas eve i spent that alone and you know i actually like slept most of christmas like I, i woke up christmas eve day and i was just exhausted like i just i slept most of that day and, you know, Christmas Eve, I went to bed at like maybe 11 and I slept till 11 or noon the next day. Like I got, I, despite having slept the entire day, I got a solid 12 hours of sleep on Christmas Eve, woke up really late Christmas day and, you know, came out and tried to make my morning cup of coffee the way I usually do, like brew my French press. And I did that and I, I used a new kind of coffee that I just had gotten and it tasted absolutely terrible. So I was like, okay, it's Christmas, I want to, like, indulge, so I poured it out and used another kind that I had, which I had a lot in the past, wasn't new, that also tasted awful, and so I poured that out, and I tried, like, the third kind, which was the kind I've been drinking for the past several months, like, since, uh, it's from Albuquerque, so I've been drinking it since I went to Albuquerque, um, in July, And I brewed that, and I tried it, and that tasted awful. It tasted absolutely terrible. And so I was like, okay, it's something my brain is telling me, you need to knock out the coffee. Like, I'm not any kind of brain person, like a neurologist, but but, uh something starts tasting terrible, it means your brain's saying, you know, knock it off. So I was like, okay. So I spent Christmas Day, and the next couple of days, like, detoxing, coffee so i was kind of like i was in a pretty deep deep fog i had a pretty big weight on my shoulders i was not necessarily with it the whole time um but i was still kind of like you know being alone on christmas eve and christmas like it kind of sucks like i wish that weren't the case i realized earlier today like i'm gonna be alone for new year's eve i'm gonna rake in 2022 completely on my own. And I was like, I am so happy about that. And it's not like I'm happy that uh, it's not like I'm happy that nobody's here, but I'm just like, I'm completely comfortable with the fact that I'm going to be on my own. I was like, I wouldn't wish for it to be anything else. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't go out and hope that I run into somebody and have some one of those, you know, cinematic encounters that never happens where you you run into a perfect person that you get along with for hours, you know, those little serendipitous, cute meets or something. I like, think I have no, incl- if it happens, great, but I really am not, not going to be hoping for it, which is nice and liberating. At least for me. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I haven't even really wanted to date since, uh, since I broke up with that one girl, like the one girl I mentioned going on a few dates with early on during COVID when I was in San Francisco. After that ended, I was like, you know, I'm just going to take some time for, I was like, I was like, if, if right now, if, if dating apps are the only way for me to get out there and meet people with this whole pandemic that's going on, then I, I just don't think I date right now. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. So yeah, I, uh where was I going with this? Path, yes, New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution, to find my path. So I, I've kind of realized that I'm not going to suddenly, you know, I can't stay wedded. Like I, I can't like always be having friends that are in their 20s. Like I can't be like 49 years old and still hanging out with 20-somethings. Not for romantic reasons, like, you know, but the Matthew McConaughey, like, so the great thing about high school girls, you know, I get older and they stay the same age. It's like, this is what's so great about open-minded, youthful, exuberant, you know, um, energetic, lovers of life, you know, not bitter yet. Um, it's always, you know, people in their like late 20s. I'll just keep being friends with the people in their late 20s until my, uh no, can't, can't, I can't keep doing that. That isn't sustainable. I just keep making new friends as you know the years advance. Um, it's like I haven't really, but the thing is, like the, the route to maturity, like to go the normal path of settling down, like that ain't me either. So, I I don't know exactly what you do. Like, there's other people in my shoes who do what I do, and they can't just be like me and they just sit at home and read. And watch TV and like that—that's just all they do, you know. And I guess they work. Like that can't be, that can't be the path I walk for the next forty years. Like that—that that sounds really, really boring. Um, or you know, traveling by myself or something. I don't. Uh, the thing is, I don't know. I don't know where it is I ought to be headed. Like I don't think it's like towards a normal white picket fence life, um, but I also don't, yeah, I, I also can't keep being friends with people who are younger than me, you don't tell I I think I'm starting to, like, get fatigued here, because I'm starting to talk in circles, but, yeah, like, I, I don't know what you do, if you're, like, 40 years old, I turned 40 this year or next year, whatever it is, Um, not midnight yet, is it, no, Um, and I feel like, you know, if you're not, like, I don't know what you do then, you know, like, I guess at this age, if you just go off and be a bohemian or something, go join, like, some hippie commune somewhere, uh, that's an option, I guess, I don't really want to do that either, Anyway, that's what I'm looking to do this year. Um, Enough said on that front about all of that. Um, This is what I'm hoping for. I hope that, like, this year I can find roughly where it is I want to go. And, you know, go have the, the, the balls to walk that path. That's the hard part. There's plenty of alternative paths I could walk, but it means, like, sacrificing something, you know, which the thing is, I've already made that sacrifice. Like, like I was, of course, like at my. Like I'm a software engineer, and I was at, like, what you would call my dream job in Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, two years ago. At the beginning of 2020, I was uh, you know, I I I had made it. I'd gotten as far as I had ever wanted to go, and that was. You know, this is like what everybody hits at some point. Sometimes it has to do with career, you know, but um, like I studied like business in college and I was kind of like, yeah, I want to be like a business guy. And I think that's going to, that's not what I want to do, but I think that'll be like a decent tolerable lifestyle while I figure that stuff out. And of course I ended up as a corporate accountant in a cubicle somewhere doing 10 key and doing Excel spreadsheets. and I was like, this is, this is intolerably boring. There is nothing interesting about this. I'm surrounded by people who are 20 years older than me. There's like, I hate this. So it was kind of like there was like what it seemed like it would be when I was in college. And when I finally got to the reality, I was like disillusioned. Like, this is not what I thought. You know, this isn't actually making me happy. And it's kind of like I didn't make any plans beyond that. I just sort of said, you know, I get there and everything else will work itself out, you know totally didn't you know this is, this is a common story too i don't think like this is unique this is like a story that everybody has Like you, you you get somewhere you get to a goal that you want and it turns out it's not exactly what you expected and it kind of like throws you into some existential crisis yeah it happens thing about me is i made this mistake twice you know i was like okay i don't want to be like an accountant guy so i'm going to be like a software engineer i decided to learn how to program and i was like someday i'll get to I'll get to some job that's really, really meaningful. I'll be around people who are like me, maybe people who are about my own age, um, who have the same weird things about their brain. Like my, my brain handles math better than it handles like people. So it's like, okay, if I become a software engineer and end up in Silicon Valley, you know, some interesting company, yeah, I get there and then I'll be happy. And so I worked really, really hard at that for a matter of years, and then I finally ended up there, and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I've been here before, you get what you want, and you're like, well, okay, this isn't quite what I expected it to be, and I'm not quite liking it as much as I thought that I would, and it turns out, like, what I'm doing for work is, like, the only part of my life that I have together, you know, (laughs) it's like... I was like, okay, I'm living, I'm living in a garage in Palo Alto. You know, my roommates are like interns with like the big tech companies. I don't have a whole lot of stuff. You know, like it, it's like what I'm doing is not the way a 34 year old, 35 year old should be living. This is, this is unusual. You know, but I had a really, really good career and it was exactly what I had shot for. But once I got there, I was like, yeah, this is like the, I kind of thought everything else would work itself out, and it totally didn't and Now I've got to figure all this other stuff out and it it's just yeah so i've i've I had that realization like at the beginning of twenty twenty like mid February, I was like, This is not making me happy, like being like a tech dude at a tech company is not like okay, I'm glad I got here, but I think this is the peak, you know. I climbed to the summit that I wanted to climb to. I made it. It's time to like move on and find something else. It's time for the next challenge. You know, do, hit the reset button. I don't know what that means, if it's geographically or career wise, but start doing something differently than you are and just see where it goes. You know, what's stopping you? That's so why I left my job. I quit without having another job. I was like, I'll figure out the whole work thing later. You know, but right now I just want to like experience some life and uh, figure things out. But I was like pretty sure that what my future held was not going to be more tech. It was not going to be more. I'm just going to be a software engineer at some company. Yeah, this is this is mid February twenty twenty. So last day of February is my last day at my job, and then I managed to like enjoy myself for a couple of weeks before the entire uh, world shuts down because of SARS-CoV-2. And so I was kind of like unemployed, holed up, and I was like, well, as long as I'm here doing this, as long as the entire world is doing this, as long as it seems like the entire economy is going to like hell in a handbasket, I might as well like get a job. I might as well get another tech job doing exactly what I was doing and just do that through the duration of this this whole thing. And so I'm kind of in a holding pattern. I kind of am in a job that isn't really satisfying me. It's paying the bills and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it as much as I, you know, ever have. Like it's great. I love the people I work with. It's challenging. I learn things every day. It's, uh, it's not a bad job or a bad lifestyle, but it's, it's something that I gave up on two years ago. It's something I realized this is no longer for you. Move on and find the next thing. And it's just, I've kind of been rate-limited by, you know, coronavirus, by the pandemic. Like, there's a limit to how much I can put myself out there and actually do self-exploration by exploring the outer world. And so, I mean, don't tell my employer this, but I don't think I want to keep being a software engineer, and I don't know how much longer this pandemic goes, but once that's over, I have a feeling I just bail and, and... Go back to trying to figure out what uh, what it is I should be doing. Or maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, the thing is, I don't really... I don't know. This is all speculative. But uh, I think it's just important not to forget that. Is that right now, the lifestyle I currently have is one that I... The career I currently have is one that I intentionally left because I realized it wasn't really feeding my soul. Whatever the Christ that means, you know, for all intents and purposes, I was like, "This is not satisfying." So let's move on. I made that decision, and then the decision was totally thwarted. And I think you know, if you have like some sort of revelation, like if lightning strikes you and you realize, "Wait a minute, it's time for a major." see change in how I'm living my life, and suddenly something external to you forces you right back where you were, it's very easy to forget that the lightning ever hit. It's probably easier not to deal with the... Uh, because I knew it was... it took it took cojones, it took guts to do that. It was not an easy decision saying I'm gonna leave the only life I know which is a professional life at this company and try and do something for myself that was hard and it's easy to forget that I did it it's easy to forget that I, I had that epiphany so anyway that's what I'm looking for I, I hope I hope that uh... Um, I hope that twenty twenty two allows me to figure some things out. I hope that I hope that I have the leeway to do that. I hope that for a lot of people actually. Like I, I wonder about this because a lot of people left their jobs. Like what is it the the big mass quitting? Is that what they call it? Like a lot of people just kind of looked at the pandemic and they were kind of like, Okay, life is pretty precarious, it can end at any time. Um I think they, a lot of people kind of saw the dark side of their bosses and how they responded to the pandemic situation. Bunch of different factors, but people kind of realized there was sort of like this existential moment of introspection and people were like, you know, I don't want to do the job that I've been doing. It's not satisfying. It's people have just been leaving. And I don't know what it is that they've been doing. Like I don't know, people. These people don't have plans. They just know they don't want to keep doing what they're doing, so they're they're taking some time for themselves, which I think is great. I just hope that it's productive. I mean, it's. I hope it's productive for them. You know, it'd be very very easy to to leave a job you don't like and just say, "Well, I'm going to play video games all day," and I don't know if that really. I don't know if that really takes you to the next answer. That was the thing I didn't know. I don't actually think I was ready for that. When I left my job in early 2020, I'm not sure I had like a plan to like figure out the next thing in a way that was like well thought out and would have been effective. I think I started like, I made plans to do a whole bunch of things, but I think they were largely masturbatory. Not literally masturbating, but I think they were more like, I'm going to use time uh with the guise of self-exploration by doing a whole bunch of new things. But I'm not sure any of them would have, would have re- revealed a new path to me, you know. I feel more prepared for that now. This is why I'm, I'm actually glad that from my own personal perspective, I'm glad that the p- pandemic happened because I think it was a... It was a gut check. It was kind of a slap in the face. I was like, I see what you're doing. You want to leave where you've been and you want to go do something new. Are you really sure you're ready for that? And in hindsight, I kind of look at it and say, no, I, I don't think in a lot of ways I was. And that's why I'm I'm kind of glad that the pandemic did happen the way that it did. At least to me. But I wonder what all these people are doing, you know? This is the, this is the other thing, like this is um, this is not me complaining about these kids these days, this is just me complaining about, uh, well they happen to be young, but it's not an age thing. The people that I know in Boulder, They're really into video games, and they actually like they. One of them set up like Minecraft. But not one of the people in Boulder. It's somebody else. Somebody in their group. There's like a group of people. They have their own Discord and they're, they play Minecraft together. And one of them maintains the server. I knew nothing about Minecraft. Minecraft is apparently like the, the Linux. Of video games, and that you have to know how to like set it up. You have to be fairly technically proficient to know how to like get Minecraft up and running. It's not like any other game where you just stick it into the console or install it and boom, you're up and running. You have to know what you're doing, I guess. So I mean, I I was kind of like, okay, I got nothing going on for a couple weeks. I've never played Minecraft. I wouldn't mind trying it for a few hours. So I, I did the whole thing. I jumped through all the hoops. I like figured out, okay, here's how you. I gotta install Java and a particular version of Java and I have to like update like I had Java path so that Minecraft knows about it and I had to use a particular instance of it for mods or some shit. Like I don't know what I'm talking about here. Like you know, I, as far as Minecraft goes. So I, I downloaded like the trial version and installed that and I, I was having a whole bunch of trouble like getting into like the shared world, like whatever the shared server where they were building gingerbread houses or something. I don't know. I don't know what you do in Minecraft. I have no idea. I've never played it. Um, I just know what they were chatting about, and it turns out, like after all this, like you, the trial version, you you can't do the whole social thing. Like you can't connect to servers. You can play like an individual game, but apparently, it doesn't come with the ability to join, you know, uh, worlds or servers or whatever you want to call it. So somebody was like, "Well, you have to buy it." And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to pay $30 for, you know, um, a game that I've never played. In all probability, I'll probably enjoy just about as much as every other game that I've ever played, which is not really at all. You know, video games in me, not really my thing. I play Mario Kart a couple times a year. You know, Smash Brothers, if somebody forces me to, you know. Uh, I'll try anything once, but I'm not going to go out and drop, like, a whole bunch of money. Um, I had a friend who was selling, like, a PlayStation 4 about six years ago. He was like, I've got this thing, and uh it comes with, I don't even remember the game. It was a game that was bundled with the PlayStation 4 when it was released. And he was like, he needed money, so he was, like, selling it for not that much. Uh So I was like, okay, PlayStation 4, I'll get it, and, you know, I don't have a console at the moment. I got rid of my Wii, I think. So I'll get a PlayStation 4 and get some games and that'll be, like, one of my hobbies. You know? I do this every few years. Like, I say, I'm going to get a console and some games and, you know, make video games one of my, like, secondary or tertiary hobbies. Never works out. It's failed every single time. Um, Except for once in college. Uh, the original Xbox. I got the original Xbox and Halo, and I played Halo on its hardest setting, like on all four difficulty settings, but I beat the game on the four difficulty levels. Uh, yeah, I did that. Just uh, no cheats or anything. I just actually did it. And yeah, that was a whole lot of time spent. I don't think I ever felt good or accomplished or happy about that, having done that, but uh, I did it. And I can say that I've at least done that with one first-person shooter. But there are a lot of people who sink a lot of time into video games. I mean, a lot of time. And, and like these people that I know, like they play Minecraft, and it sounds like they're playing it an awful lot. It sounds like it's an awful... Based on the, the Discord chat, it sounds like it's a, a very, very large focus... Of their lives, they're very, very. Um, a lot of their attention is focused on this. It's a lot of effort and time spent on the computer, doing uh, whatever it is you do in Minecraft. But I wonder about that. I. Like, I've heard video games are actually good. Like, I'm not just somebody... I'm not sitting here saying that video games are, like, stupefying. They make people dumb. Uh, they don't. I mean, there's there's been plenty of studies to show that, like, it's actually really, really good for you cognitively. Like, hand-eye coordination. Um, but, I mean, only to a certain extent. You know, it's like my father used to do, like, uh, sudoku, puzzles. sudoku puzzles. He did a lot of Sudoku puzzles. He did a lot of crosswords. He did those for years, and he did that with the, with the guise of like keeping his brain active. It's like, well, if you do the same thing over and over again, the same kind of puzzle, like you don't switch it up, it kind of stops helping you cognitively. Like there's diminishing marginal utility past a certain point, right? Like Playing Minecraft is probably good for you cognitively for some amount of time per day, but not like the whole day. That's true of anything, not just video games. What am I talking about here? I don't know. Like, I I always try to, like, for the last five years, I've been apologizing because I'm complaining about things that I guess young people are doing, people that are generally younger than me. Like, there's enough of an age gap between me and the people doing the activity that I have to, like, hedge it and say, like, look, I don't want to sound like an old grumpy old man. You know, like, get off my lawn or anything, but... Which, if you have to open it up like that, then that's exactly how it comes across. You know, you can't just say, like, look, I don't want to sound like X. Like, if you you preface it with that, you sound like X to whoever it is you're talking about. You can't just get rid of that because you said that. It's like, I no longer feel the inclination to even, like, preface what I say with that. Like, I'm going to be 40 years old. I I think I can complain about young people all I want, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's my prerogative. <laughs> what the hell are these kids doing these days? I I don't know. I find it absolutely befuddling. <laughs> uh. So I re- rewatched this uh, this show called Fleabag on Amazon Prime, which is very dry, dark kind of humor. Um, I finished it off like earlier today and there's a, um, <clears throat> it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a very, very well-written little series. Um, apparently that that's, that's it. It actually ends at the end of the second season. You're kind of like, well, clearly there's going to be more to this story, but uh, the, the head writer and star of it was kind of like, you know, I think I've gone as far as I can with this. I'm out of ideas. So I'm just going to like, not that's it. There's two seasons and it just sort of ends. uh There's, there's enough closure that it ends well, but in the last episode, there's a character who's played by, I think the actor's name is Brett Gelman. And if you don't know who he is, by name, you would know him if you saw him. You've seen him in something. He has a lot of cameos in a lot of stuff. Like he was in the, the last episode of Mad Men. He was in Stranger Things. He's like the, the conspiracy nut job in like the second and third season. It was in a few episodes. Uh, you'd probably know him if you saw him. Anyway, he, he plays like a character, a recurring character in this show and he's uh talking about his i think it's his nephew or son i forget who the character is relative to him i wasn't really paying attention but uh kid in high school who plays the bassoon and he's like making reference to his son he's saying like you know some people just have terrible personalities he's like look at uh look at so and so he's playing the bassoon you know he you know i'll tell you what the bassoon is this is what he said he like he yells this Um, in order to make a point, in order to emphasize what he's saying, uh, he says, I'll tell you what the bassoon is. It's a cry for help. Which I just about fell out of my chair laughing at that because I played the bassoon in high school for about four years, and I think that's probably accurate. At least in my case, it was. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I played the clarinet for like... uh, A few years when I was in middle school, like my uh, the band director, whatever, my middle school, he said you should play bass clarinet, so he got me into that. Um, Which I'm kind of glad he did, actually, because I, I got to like high school and clarinet was kind of like flute. Not quite as bad as flute, but I mean, if you're a male flute player in band, you definitely stick out like a sore thumb. Like it's not usual. It's definitely a gendered instrument. And it's really, really unusual uh, to see a guy playing the flute. Um, there There was a guy who played the flute in the marching band my senior year and he's a whole other—he's a whole different story. He—he he wasn't even like flaming. He, uh, yeah, I, I can't even get into that. But I mean, clarinet's kind of like that. Clarinet. There, there was plenty of guys that played the clarinet, but it definitely skews feminine. I don't know what it is. It's not a—it's not a masculine instrument of all of them. So I'm kind of glad that my band director in middle school was kind of like why don't you branch out and try playing this bigger thing that's heavier to carry? You know, it seems like that's, that's correlative. You know, the having to carry a sousaphone around that massive thing, there are not very many female sousaphone players. So I feel like the bigger instruments tend to attract the, uh, (laughs) um, tend to attract, you know, the Vikings among us, if you will. Um, so I mean, when I got to like high school, I played like clarinet in the marching season, but I was, I wasn't too keen on playing. Um, I wasn't too keen on playing clarinet throughout the year, and I didn't want to do bass clarinet either. I was like, I've done that for like two or three years now. <clears throat> and so, why did I choose the bassoon? I'll tell you why I chose the bassoon. It's the reason most guys in high school, especially early on, do anything, and that was for a girl. And it was, it. Was, <laughs> this isn't a unique story. This is like when I was talking earlier about how, you know, I, I got to a particular job at a particular company. It turns out I was disillusioned by the whole thing. Like, this is not a unique story. This is like a rite of passage story. Like, you know, this happens to all of us. So, it was, <laughs> um so, yeah, there was there was a girl that I liked that I had absolutely no idea how to approach the situation. This is like the beginning of high school, the first month or so of high school, and I'm starting to realize, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, I barely noticed girls when I was in middle school. All of a sudden, there's one that I really like that I noticed. I thought she was a really smart, cool person. And I was like, but I know myself, and I know her, and I know that this is never going to happen. Like... I am just—I don't like—I am not fourteen. I'm I'm fourteen years old, but I am not fourteen years old mentally. I am not ready for the challenges that high school are throwing at me, or is throwing at me. Like socially, I I, I, had—I—I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I was way, way out of my depth in every respect, and I knew it. I knew it. So you know, I did what most people do when they're in that situation, and I cheated. At that age, that's what you do. You cheat. So there was this girl that I really liked, and I caught wind of the fact that she was going to, like, play the bassoon. Like, I overheard a conversation that I shouldn't have overheard by some random people. It was like a third-hand conversation. So-and-so is going to play the bassoon. She asked to play the bassoon, and I was like, I shouldn't know this, but now I do. And you know what? If If I play the bassoon, too, then I'll be with her, and that'll open up something, you know? this is the fucking tortured, horrible, flawed logic of, of like, you know, the 14 year old teenage mind. And so I was like, I went to my band director and said, Hey, I'm interested in, you know, I want to try playing the bassoon. And he was like, Oh, okay. That, that, we'd love to have you to play that. You know, we don't really have anyone else playing the bassoon, you know, in your level of band this year. So yeah. Um, Actually, you know, as it happens, so-and-so just uh, expressed interest in it a couple days ago, and I was like, you don't say. How about that? What a coincidence. You know, just played it off like I had no idea. I had no clue. You know, I have complete deniability here. Um, this is the wrong way to approach it. On the off chance that you're listening to me and you happen to be young, I hope there's nobody in high school that's listening to this, but that, that is the wrong way to go about it. You don't want to suddenly put yourself right next to uh, somebody that you're interested in uh, maybe asking out or pursuing romantically. Because, I mean, I realized when I was in that situation, like, okay, if I pursue this, then it's going to be awkwardness for the next four years. We're playing the same instrument, which I just started to hear. I should have like tried to get the as far away from her as I possibly fucking could. I should I shouldn't have shouldn't have done that. I should have played something completely different and uh you know actually asked her out. Which I never actually did, you know. Um, but yeah, so in my case it was not uh I didn't want to play the bassoon. It was a cry for help. <laughs> Might have been for her too. I have no idea. Like, um, um yeah, but I, just, I just thought that was funny. As soon is as a um, something about it. like there was uh, what, what is his name? Rain Wilson is that the guy who plays Dwight Schrute in the U.S. version of The Office? I guess I guess the, if you say Dwight True, that's enough. I think the Dwight True character has a different name in the British version. It's like Garrison Keeler or something. I digress. Um, but yeah, his his like autobiography that he released is like called The Bassoon King, and it's like him with a picture of a bassoon. Um, this is the sort of association that uh I guess people have <laughs> Have with uh with the bassoon you know it is um yes <laughs> i guess it's a nerdy instrument i don't know what a cool is there a cool instrument if you're in band can you play an instrument that is cool i guess drums all the all, all like the like the cool people were like in percussion i guess if i had to go back and and do marching band over again that's probably what i Probably what I would do is I would just be like "Give me a bass drum, let me walk around I've been smashing that thing you know for four years like that's great I don't know it wasn't me though nothing in band like there's really no there's nothing I could have done in band that would have made that work. I don't know why I was in marching band for four years it was a it was a four year oversight. <laughs> On my part, I guess it worked out well because I think that extracurricular coupled with my grades is what got me into a halfway decent college, but, uh, still. (laughs) I could have done something else. I could have been in debate. Not sure I'm a debate person either. That's the thing, is looking back at high school, like there's always like a certain click. Like, I really don't know what click, I, like, if I could go back and do high school over again. One, of course I would. Knowing what you know now. That's what people always say. You don't want to go back and do high school over again with the ignorance, like going into it with ignorant. But if you know what you know now and you can relive high school again, sure. Yeah. I might have a go at that. As long as I can jump right back to where I'm at now. You know, it'd just be fun to experience that. Um, with, with some foresight. Uh, but, but I mean, if I were to go back to high school, I don't know where I would land myself. You know, I was in band. I did some theater. Those people are all very, very clicky, like clicky enough that they didn't accept me, even though I was in both of those fucking things. Um, but I can't imagine what else I would have done. I wouldn't have like, gone out for track. I wouldn't have played any kind of sports. I don't think I would have done, like, anything like debate, like, who the the hell was I, you know? At some point I tried hanging out with the, uh, with the freaks and geeks, like, the people who were, like, um, there was a guy in my high school who used to, like, throw Rocky Horror picture show parties, and it was a weird, eclectic mix of people, Like the like, the people who didn't really belong anywhere in high school, they were the kinds of people that would show up at his parties, you know, just the miscellaneous. And there was like a six-month period in high school. I was kind of like running with them. Like I went to those parties and hung out with those people. Like they, it includes like the burnouts and uh I don't know, just the, the oddballs. You know, I was like, I'll try and be an oddball because like being a band geek hasn't really worked out for me. And I haven't found anything else. Even the oddballs, like even being like a miscellaneous, that didn't last very long. I was like, I'm not one of these people we have the same taste in music i have the same favorite bands as a lot of these people but uh i'm not i don't belong in this group you know that's kind of what i did i guess that's kind of been my whole life like high school the way i was in the 40s of high school just sort of like drifting looking for a place to belong that's kind of been like what my fucking life has been my life has been like a like my adult life has been like a uh a larger version of of high school. That's been both good and bad, I suppose. Um, it hasn't made me unhappy, is I guess what I would what I would say. But yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what the bassoon is. It's a cry for help. Anyway, it looks like this is actually getting up there. I meant to just start recording this and to have this be relatively short and not drag on for a matter of hours. Uh, Just to kill some time before, while I'm I'm waiting for the ball to drop here. But uh, this is actually getting up to be like a half an hour. Um, And plus I just got back from like a three or four hour walk in the snow like, there's parts of me that are wet that I didn't even know, like, like haven't dried off yet. And, uh yeah, it's probably time I go, like, thaw myself out with a shower. Uh, so, yeah, um, time for me to go do the New Year's thing. I'm not sure what I have lined up. I've got a couple movies queued up. I'm going to watch, like, Detective Pikachu. Um... I watched Nancy, maybe I'm not going to wrap this up, maybe I'll keep rambling, but I watched uh Nancy Drew, like the latest one that came out a couple of years ago with Sophia Lillis as the star. I like Sophia Lillis as an actress, like she was in the hit movies and uh, um, like uh I don't think I've ever seen her in anything that I, I didn't like, like Sharp Objects, I am not okay with this. She seems to like pick pretty good roles. And so I was like, I'm gonna watch this Nancy Drew version. Nancy Drew is not really mine. Uh, not what I would lean to normally. And it was uh I don't know. The thing is it's one it's definitely a kids movie. It's a movie for teens because it's it's the kind of it's the kind of teen movie where like there's like, Nancy the character of Nancy Drew knows something, always knows something, always has some idea that like a bunch of grown adults don't. You know, she's like, well, how about we try this? How about we do this? And that'll like figure out this problem. And the adults are like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? It's like, no, this, this is not the way the world, like teenagers don't come up with those solutions. And at the very least, if they do, if they're that bright, like, the adults would come up with them too. You know, it's like, this is how you know it's a kids really. The kids are always like brilliant and they're doing things that the adults, the adults are just clueless. They have no idea. They're just dumb. It definitely tended more towards that. That was the only part of it. I was like, okay, uh, don't think I care much for this. I learned from, I don't think this is a spoiler, but apparently like nutmeg has a compound in it, which is hallucinogenic. And so, like, you don't have to take that much. Like, I I have, like, nutmeg in my cupboard. It's, like, 50 grams in, like, this little, you know, normal spice size bottle. And it's, like, if you take, like, I think it's, like, 25 grams. So if I took, like, half that bottle, if I somehow managed to choke that down, like, eating sawdust, um, it apparently would produce a 12-hour hallucinogenic high. Um, and then like a, a really, really terrible, uh, like hangover, like it's like a two day hangover with, it's apparently just brutal, but it, apparently it is a lo it's a legitimate hallucinogen. You would see things, um, like I think it's a, like, like 10, 10 grams. Yeah. 10 grams of nutmeg. If you choke that down, it would be the equivalent of, I think one marijuana cigarette I think it's what, what the equivalent so that's if that's any reference for you if you have any idea um, I was like that let's I didn't know that um, about nutmeg kind of makes me wonder like how many hallucinogens are there in just like normal things that I have no idea I'd kind of like to know that like I'm not interested in taking any of these like I I do not want to take a hallucinogen and see shit, no thank you, especially not one with a two day hangover, I'm not eating any nutmeg, I'm not putting that into capsules and swallowing it, Um, (laughs) but I'm just curious, like how much stuff do I have in my house that I could like safely consume, that would cause me to like trip on stuff, like just stuff that's normally edible, I wonder if it would be most things. Like if you like managed to, the probably most things. Like I wonder if anything would make you hallucinate if you could eat enough of it, like chocolate. I have a feeling if you ate like more chocolate than your stomach was capable of holding, like more than your body could actually take in at any given time, at any one time, you probably would start hallucinating. There's probably some compounds in chocolate that would make you make you see shit. Probably probably most plants. Um, you just can't eat that much unless you concentrate it. Yeah, I actually have a whole bunch of spices. I've discovered that in learning how to cook, it's like people always, you always come across a recipe that sounds really, really good and you're really anxious to make it. And no matter how many spices you have in your cupboard, the recipe you're interested in calls for one or two things that you don't own yet. I don't, I, I've become convinced that it's impossible to own every spice and so you gotta go run out and buy that. And so I have like a, a cupboard that's just loaded up with tons and tons of spices. Uh, most of which I've only used like once or twice, if that. And uh, I'm kind of understanding like the, the need for a spice rack. Like I, I went to take a wood woodworking class, uh, maybe two and a half years ago in San Francisco and like you could choose the thing you were going to show up to build. Like one option was a table, which is what I did, like a coffee table. One of the classes like was that you can build a spice rack. Like you would learn woodworking and you you use the tools and you build a spice rack. And I was like, it was kind of like Wayne's world. I was like, why would you need a spice? I don't even own a spice, you know, let alone multiple spices that would necessitate the need for a spice rack. I kind of understand that. Like spices are a pain in the ass. If you have those bottles, like if you just have them in the cupboard, like trying to find the right one is is just a pain in the dick. It's it's a whole bunch of trouble. I I don't have a good solution to it yet. I guess the uh the really good ones. I own a couple ones that are kind of high end because that was the only thing that was available. They have like the the spice on the lid. Like what it is is actually on the actual. uh lid of the thing. So you can just look down at the at the pile at the at the sea of spices and find the one you need really, really easily. Um but I don't know. Thing is I don't I don't just want a spice rack. I feel like the uh I just haven't seen it. I've seen different options for how you can organize your this is this is this is boring as shit. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've seen different ways you have of organizing your spices in the kitchen and I haven't found the one yet. You know, it's kind of like I haven't really found the right way of, of doing garlic, you know, like so I, I got a garlic press for like 50 cents at a thrift store, and I tried using that, and that is like a pain in the ass. like it's not convenient and it's a pain in the ass to clean. It's like a whole thing, and um, you know but it's just it's not quite. It doesn't quite do it for me. I found like another plastic thing and it's like a grinder. Um, Like it's kind of like it's two like circular halves you put together and you stick the garlic cloves in there and you you twist it a few times and then it grinds up the garlic and you can tap it out. That's way easier and way easier to clean, but it's still not like ideal. I feel like the the perfect, uh, you know, getting garlic out of its thing there's there's like a few different like things for garlic. There's a tool for like um, getting the garlic cloves out of its shell, like out of the skins that they're in, like the papery skin. You could do that just by rubbing it vigorously between your two hands, like really quickly. Eventually they separate. But there's like a little thing you can get. It's like a rubber tube. You can put it in. You can buy this. It. It's like $15. You can like, put a clove of garlic in, rub it, and then, like it'll separate the skin from the from the clove. I don't know why anyone would buy this, but yeah okay now I'm talking about like niche kitchen utensils. It's time to uh time to gracefully march forward it's slowly getting later, and I have. As much of a pain in the ass as it was to get off of coffee, I'm actually back on it. I was like, you know, I don't want to stay off of this. I probably should. My schedule's all turned around. Like I've had the last couple weeks off work, um, and what I've I've been going to bed at like two in the morning and waking up around eleven or so. That's unusual. I'm usually, I usually go to bed pretty early and wake up pretty early. I'm usually a pretty Usually, a morning person. You give me two weeks off of work, suddenly that whole thing turns around. It's going to be a rude awakening come Monday when I have to get back to it. It's going to be a rude awakening anyway. It's always weird coming off of like a two week vacation and you come back to work. It's like, oh, it's. Damn. I I was just starting to like really, really, really enjoy life. I forgot that I have to do this. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't. uh, I really don't hate my job. I'm actually kind of looking forward to getting back to being productive in some way. I really have not, uh, I have not been able to do much with my time off, so I'll be happy to get back to, to something. But it's, uh, yeah, it's getting up to midnight. Got some, um, okay, so I watched this movie, which um, is interesting. Uh, it's called Colossal. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going here. Uh It stars, like, Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. Is that how you pronounce his name? I've only ever seen it in writing, and I haven't looked that closely. You know, like, there's some words you look at, and you're kind of like, okay, I get the sense of the, the mixture of letters. I'm just going to, like, pronounce it. But you don't actually, like, sound it out phonetically. You're like, yeah, it's it's good. I'm never going to have to say that. It's <laughs> Jason whatever his name is from, uh, you know, Horrible Bosses. Um And not not Jason Bateman. But it's about this woman who, like, returns to her hometown. She's like a party girl. You know, alcoholic. Kind of depressed. No direction in life. Kind of just has to give up and go back to her hometown and, like, spend some time there. Reconnects with some old friends. And she comes to realize, like, there's this um, monster... Like that's the thing it's like there's a genre of monster movies in which a monster like is massive and destroys a city usually based in Asia. I think Godzilla being like the probably the prototypical example of this that everyone but there's, there's a whole genre of these movies. It's actually like that. it's that genre, but it's kind of like an interesting twist on it. So this girl is in her hometown and she realizes that there's this monster who's destroying, I think it's South Korea, Seoul. And she sees it on TV and eventually puts it together that if she goes to a particular park and walks around at a particular time, then it causes the monster to appear in the other city and the monster basically mimics her every move. So the monster is in effect her. She's basically puppeting this monster that's destroying the city. And she's doing it by accident. She has no idea. So she learns this and she realizes, she goes and tests it and she realizes, yeah, the monster is me. Somehow this thing is appearing only because I went to this place at this time. And it follows my every movement. And so you would think like, okay... um, you just never go to that park at that time of day ever again, and then the whole thing resolves itself, you know. Um, but, of course, it isn't quite that simple. It's actually a really interesting movie about um, about depression and, like, abusive relationships. It's kind of fun. It has that twist. You know, it's a nice fusion of genres, and it's uh, well-acted, well-written. I think it was a financial flop. Um, there was one movie starring Matthew McConaughey which is about there's a certain forest in Japan where people go, it's like famous because a lot of people go there in order to commit suicide and so it's like, it's peppered with signs at the entrance that says like there's help. you know, value your life, like it's that's what it's known for. I think it's, that's the only thing it's used for. People go there to kill themselves. I don't think people go there just to camp. It's this very, very morbid place. But it's, you know, very, very beautiful. I guess if you're going to kill yourself, it's, uh, you know, scenic. There's at least that. But Matthew McConaughey goes there with the intention of, like, uh, you know killing himself. He's just uh, um, dealing with some grief. And, you know, he ends up encountering some guy, uh, who's also stumbling through, uh, presumably to, you know, kill himself. And he ends up trying to help him out. I really liked that movie. Um, I'm not sure I'd watch it again, but it was, I really, I really liked the story. I liked the way it played out. And that was a complete critical and financial failure. Like, people hated that. With a passion, it was kind of like uh, the ending of Lost. You know, I'm always very interested. Like people say, like people really did not like the ending of Lost. I I remember being confused by it when I saw it, and I was kind of like, I was like, I think whatever whatever just happened, whatever I just saw, I didn't get it. You know, I didn't actually hate it, but I was like, I don't think I understood what that was supposed to mean. It's kind of like, I I talked about uh, Eyes Wide Shut last time, like Stanley Kubrick's last film. And I remember I saw that when I was like, between junior and senior year of high school, like that summer, I was like 17. And I had seen uh, Stanley Kubrick's other work. I'd seen uh, Full Metal Jacket and A Clockwork Orange. So I went to see this and I really had no idea what to expect. I just knew it was a Stanley Kubrick film. I went into it completely cold. And I watched it. And at the end, I was like, you know, I I did not understand that. You know, I talked to most of my friends in high school who saw that. Uh, I think they went into it, like they understood there was going to be like some kind of orgy like, there's going to be a mass orgy that's taking place in a mansion somewhere. Like, I think the way it was, like, marketed... I think I think it was mismarketed, and the way it was mismarketed kind of, like, gave people the wrong impression going into it. So most of my friends in, in high school, who were high school dudes, they came away from it saying, Well, that movie fucking sucked. It was terrible. It was no plot. Nothing happened. You know, the sex wasn't even interesting. It got boring after so long, you know? Um, I didn't have that reaction. I watched it and I was like, "Okay, this is above my head. This went completely over my head." I I can't say that I hate it for any reason because I don't even understand it well enough to to say that I hate it. You know, I wouldn't say I liked it. I I definitely didn't say I want to watch that again. But there was some part of me that was kind of like. Someday I'm going to have to watch that when I know more about the adult world and maybe appreciate art more. Like when I've matured, you know, aesthetically or something. I'll come back to that and watch it and maybe it'll make sense. You know, that was my reaction. I didn't think that, was, I didn't think it was a terrible movie. I was like, it's just not one I was intellectually capable of appreciating. And I still don't understand it. Like I, I mentioned last time, that I watched it again, and I still don't get it. I, I can see that there's themes there. I can see that there's a, there's a message there, and a lot of a lot of the messages that are there in plain sight I didn't really pick up on I didn't pick up on certain themes because I was only a high schooler, you don't know until you 're like, uh, you know you get out and you have like ten or 20 years in the adult world. Then you understand what shit is like, and you understand what he's poking fun at. But the movie itself is um, I think when people hate movies or you know dismiss them, it's like movies can be both surface and symbol. And I think people at the very least want surface. They want a plot that they can understand they want things to happen that they can latch onto they want characters that they can they can grasp a plot that makes sense they want to be able to empathize with the characters right and the thing is a lot of movies will have symbolism in there like they'll they'll have little it's like a bonus you know you can watch the movie and enjoy it for what it is just on the surface but there's also hidden symbolism there's like little Easter eggs, I guess you could call them. Like there's the the director clearly knows something like maybe he maybe sneaks in a little bit about, uh, you know, something mythological that you would only notice if you knew something about mythology. Now, if you don't know mythology, it just goes over your head. You don't notice it at all. I think people really start turning on movies and get really pissed off when movies are like mostly symbolism and very little surface. And I think David Lynch is probably like a, a prototypical example of that. He is all symbolism. Like, you cannot watch his films and understand the plot or the character. You can't understand what the hell is going on because the films themselves, the stories themselves don't work on a literal level. They're meant to work on some other level. And I think, I think when people, when you don't give people like enough to grasp onto literally, they get really, really pissed off. I just I just remember all of the vitriol people had for like eyes wide shut in, in high school. And I didn't I I didn't argue the point. I was like that I did I didn't get it. For all I know I might hate it. But I I don't I don't know yet. You know, I, I'm not not mature enough to know this. So I mean I give it the benefit of the doubt and um still don't get it. But it was, it's an enjoyable ride. You know, I get more of it now. David Lynch, I have not, I haven't seen any David Lynch films in a very long time. It's probably been 15 years. I kind of want to watch some more of them. Like, I want to go back and rewatch. Like, my favorite band in high school was The Smashing Pumpkin. So, of course, I had the Lost Highway soundtrack. Uh, Like, everyone did. You know, Nine Inch Nails fans. Um, but I didn't see the movie until like a few years later, when I was out of high school. And I watched it, and it, it ended, and I was like, "What in the hell was that?" I think that's, <laughs> that's usually your experience with the first David Lynch film you see. You're like, "What the fuck? Was was that supposed to make sense? that I have to go back and rewatch that? And uh you know, what did I miss?" I feel like it was everything. Um, but I kind of want to go back and just like, I guess, like, what's the word? This sounds pretentious, but I want to experience like a David Lynch film and just sort of see how I react to it now, you know. I think I kind of appreciate, I, I appreciate the ending of Lost, and I appreciate that it works on an emotional and not a literal level. It's kind of like the end of Taxi Driver if you've ever seen that like that that movie's pretty it's dark and it's um maybe heavy and deep at times but it's it's you get what's going on up until the very last scene and you're kind of like what are we supposed to make of that? And I don't I don't know if you're supposed to assume that the very last scene actually happens or it's just like it's just something that's supposed to give closure emotionally to the story. I feel like that was the ending of Lost. Plus, I mean, the ending of Lost was... The ending of Lost for the series was actually a perfectly appropriate ending. I was actually very surprised by how how many people hated the ending of Lost. It's like, okay, you have, like, six seasons of, like... The writers hinting at quasi-religious stuff the entire time, like it's this underlying theme for religion, religion, and Christianity. Like it's all there, and it's pretty in your face. It's not like elliptical. You know, Mister Echo is a priest. He starts building a church. All the Like it's there the whole time. The fact that the re- the ending had some religious themes. Why was that a shock to everyone? It wasn't like it came out of left field. You know, um, it's not the same way about the ending of Dexter. Like the ending of Dexter was not great, but by the time the show got there, it was not a great show, either. Like I think it was, I think it was a, it was a perfectly appropriate ending of appropriate caliber for what the show was. You know. People were kind of like, they just, they just tacked on the ending. They just phoned it in. I was like, I think they started phoning it in probably the last, uh, two or three seasons. I don't know if I had to guess. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it wasn't a great show. So the fact that the ending wasn't great, I don't see why everyone was really, uh, stunned by that. It seemed like a fitting ending. They actually restarted that now. Like, there's like a new Dexter. I just I don't even I, I I don't even want to I don't want to go there. I think like, I think I think it was enough eight years ago. I don't know why we're re- rebooting this. You know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's uh, Hollywood does it. Uh, like the the pictures the talkies do it enough. You know, why not, uh why not do it on TV shows too? I guess that's, I guess that's been being done for like Doctor Who is a show that they've basically been making uh, over and over again for the last 50 years. Never seen that either. You know, past a certain point, it's like, like I understand that The Wire is supposed to be a really, really good show. I believe it's supposed to be a really good show. Like I, I believe that it is a good show, but I don't see any reason to like go back and like force myself to slog through all that time. Like, it just I, I want to keep moving forward. It's like Don Draper said. My like my my life in terms of like television and film consumption moves in one direction only, forward. I've been bitten enough by going back to watch stuff from the '90s. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna rewatch Zoolander. It'll be funny again. I rewatch it. I'm like, oh Jesus, this did not age well. Zoolander's a bad example. I think Zoolander was... Zoolander, the elements of it still hold up. You know? I'm not picking on Zoolander, but you know, you know what I mean. You've all gone back to watch a movie from your youth, and you're like, oh, I, yeah, this was better in my head. We've all been there. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to rewatch anything. I don't want, I don't want there to be traditions. You know? Like, let's, just, let's just keep, let's have faith. That the new things are gonna be just as good as the old things, and just keep uh keep going into them, you know um, Treme, you yeah, know, that one that's set in New Orleans, I think after Katrina I'd love to watch that. I wish that was a new show, I wish that was just like starting to air. It was like one or two seasons in, and I could watch it um, I don't know there's also some strategy in like waiting to see how a show, like Game of Thrones, I watched the pilot and I was like, this is not my, I didn't even make it through the first episode. I was like, this is not my cup of tea. Like, I don't know where this is headed, but this is not my thing. Like like I could just tell from the beginning, like I'm not enjoying this and it's not going to head anywhere where I start enjoying it. And it's kind of like, I was like, at some point, I was like, okay, it sounds like it's very, very far along. Like it, like at some point, I looked into it. I was like, maybe I should force myself to start watching it. I was like, living and working in Silicon Valley. Everyone was watching Game of Thrones and talking about it, and I felt like I was missing out. But when, I, when it finally caught my attention and I gave it some consideration, I was like, you know, the, the, the last season was starting. And I was like, I'm going to wait and see what happens what the reaction is, you know, because the last episode of a TV series it's like makes or breaks it, and that's that's totally what happened with the uh, with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was all people talked about Game of Thrones all the time. It was like constant. I would walk into conversations and people would be saying things. I'd be like, I don't understand the words you're talking about. Like Game of Thrones. Like, oh, my bad. I will, I will go find uh, somewhere else to be. Well, why you talk about this? Because I'm not going to fall. But then, like, the last episode aired, everybody hated the last episode, at least everybody I talked to. And then you never heard about it again. It's like a, like a really bad final episode of a TV show can just wipe it off of the face of the earth. I feel like The Sopranos was the same. People loved The Sopranos after that last episode, that final I get the ambiguous ending. It was kind of like, well, shit. So there is some strategy in like waiting till just the end and if, if people really liked it, then you go back and watch it. But I don't know. I don't want a time trail. I don't want to like do the time warp a couple of decades and go back and watch uh I wouldn't watch the Sopranos or Deadwood or you know something from that era. Stick with the new stuff. This is how I stay young at heart. This is why I'm like only hanging out with like people who are 12 years younger than me because I'm young at heart. I know I talk about like TV shows and movies on here a lot. I do read. I'm actually reading um, I started reading uh, Thomas Mann's Joseph and His Brothers which is really I mean Thomas Mann is a phenomenal writer. I haven't really read much of him. This is the first thing I've really picked up. And it's just about like Jacob and Joseph. Like he takes the the um you know that story from Genesis, those stories from Genesis in the Bible, and he, he blows it up and expands it into a fifteen hundred page gigantic novel. It was published in like four parts when it came out. I started reading that. Love it. It's beautifully written um I'm not talking about that because uh, like come on you want to hear me talk about books nobody fucking reads anymore and nobody reads the shit I read I feel like when I come in here and start talking about like Carl Jung or philosophy or whatever it is like no like this, this is where people just sort of their eyes start to glaze over you're out there like surfing for podcasts you don't want to hear me talk about literature unless it's a podcast about literature besides I don't have anything interesting to say it's like I do appreciate that there was some depth to Eyes Wide Shut. You know, I kind of have a sense of what some of the themes are that are hidden in plain sight. Uh, I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just not one of those guys, you know. I think you just got to go experience it for yourself. Like, you know, you can't you can't deconstruct something like that for somebody else. It just can't be done. You know, like, you just have to go experience it. It's like the, the fucking Matrix, you know? I can't sit there and tell you why some, some piece of art is brilliant. You have to go see it for yourself. And if you think it's brilliant or not, that's, that's all on you. It's all subjective experience. And when you start talking objectively about why this or that, you know um piece of art is objectively good or bad. Like it's that's when I think you're getting pretentious, you know. I don't know. Okay, I'm rambling. Seems like midnight's creeping up on me. Uh I should go get this shower over with and then uh, you know, figure out what I'm gonna do with the rest of my night. Anyway, twenty twenty two approaches. Uh it's crazy to say that. It really is crazy to say that. It's crazy to think that I've been doing this, uh, for like close to two years now. I feel like all my listeners out there, you're like, you're like my family now. (laughs) Uh, wherever you are, I hope it's, I hope it is warm and it is, uh, quarantined. It's safe from all of that. And, uh, you know, you're doing something that is keeping you sane through all the madness out there. You know, there is a future and it's going to be fine. You know, we're all going to get through this. We're going to come out the other side. Uh, hopefully better people. Hope that's you. In any case, till next time, this is Jim wishing you a happy 2022 and beyond. Until next time. Cheers.